My goodness, what a privilege and an honor today to live in the good old United States of America. If you have your Bibles, I know I'm standing between you and lunch, so I want to get with it. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. I want to make an announcement while you're turning there. June the 13th on a Sunday evening, we're going to have a very special service. We're going to have Victor Streisky here. Uh, he is the representative for CUFI, Christians United for Israel. There's a lot of stuff going on I think you should be aware of. I've invited him to come and speak to us on the evening of June the 13th. Now, we are bringing him here so we can be brought up to speed as to what's going on in Israel. But I'm also bringing him here to be a blessing to him. I'm asking you, apostolic folk, to give him a chance to really get his batteries renewed while he's here, okay? So we're going to have a powerful time of praise and worship, and then he's going to share with us what some of the things, current events that are going on with Israel. Kufi is now 10 million, I believe, strong. Uh, so it's a very important time, and I want to put that in your head. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And for just a few moments, with your help, I would like to speak to you on this subject, chosen to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I give you praise and glory and honor. I thank you for these precious people. I ask you, God, that you would anoint and bless and help us today. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I have a little thing about me that if everybody's listening, I preach quickly. If I notice you're playing with your phone or whatever, I just keep repeating myself over and over. So... Help yourself today, all right? It's just an old habit that will always be that way here. So today we honor those who answered the call of duty, laid down their lives so that we can be free. I don't think we should ever forget or take for granted these liberties that we have. In spite of being uh, things that people may grumble about, she's still America the Beautiful. She's still home sweet home. She's still the land of the free. And in my opinion, the finest place in the whole world to live. I've got to do a little bit of traveling around the world. And I've seen some beautiful sights, but I could never, I have never found any place that I would want to live better than I love to live in the good old United States of America. You know, Brother Merle wrote a song that, that's not Brother Merle Ewing, that was Brother Merle Haggard. <laughs> he wrote a song that said, walking on the fight inside of me. Anybody remember that? Uh-huh. Running down the way of life, our fighting men have fought and died to keep. 
If you don't love it, leave it. Let this song I'm singing be a warning. If you're running down my country, man, you're walking on the fighting side of me. I have to say, may God help us never to forget that this freedom was paid for at a very high cost. I, I don't want to join the group that wants to forget our history. I think we learn from history, both the good and the bad. And, and, and God, help us never to forget places like Lexington, Bunker Hill, Valley Forge, Gettysburg. Pearl Harbor, the islands in the Pacific, Normandy Beach, Japan, Germany, Korea, Vietnam, Kuwait, Afghanistan, Iraq, and many, many more places where our brave men and women have fought on land, in the air, and on the high seas. I know you've heard this little story, but it was been one of my favorite down through the years when President Abraham Lincoln sent a brief consoling message to Lydia Bixby, a widow living in Boston, Massachusetts, who lost five sons in the Union Army during the American Civil War. I have a copy of an excerpt from his letter. It says, Executive Mansion, Washington, November 21st, 1864. And he begins, I have been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any word of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the republic they died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully a. Lincoln. And I appreciate and I'm so thankful But each and every one of us have been called to be a soldier. Called to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. It's not always going to be easy. He never promised you a rose garden. It's not always going to be something that is just convenient. Matter of fact, you don't find that word used in a very positive sense in the Bible. Judas sought for a convenient season to portray Jesus. Usually, a soldier has to suck it up, shoulder his weapon, and keep walking. One of my well-beloved Bible college instructors paratrooped into the Battle of the Bulge. And he told me how that they landed him in the wrong place. His 
group, whatever you call that size group he was in. And they landed in a place that was pretty heavily fortified. And he said there was just a solid sheet of lead that was going through the air. And he said, I lay on my stomach and I put my nose in the ground and I took my helmet and put it flat against my head and I, I flattened. And he said, I didn't know what to do. And he said, I heard somebody say, come on, men, let's go. He said, I tipped my, my helmet back with my thumb and I looked and to my amazement, my commanding officer was walking down the middle of the road saying, come on, men, let's go. He said, and I didn't want to get up, but because of his bravery and because of his leadership, I grabbed my weapon and I followed after him. And he said it was only shortly after that that a mortar round went off where they had been. For the enemy was zeroing in on where they were, and that officer knew it's time to move. Oh, praise God. You've been chosen to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. And you know something? You may think that you just decided one day you were going to live for God, but that's not really how it works. God chose you. You may think, well, man, I, I've got so many faults and failures and weaknesses. It doesn't matter. God chose you. Amen. And it's an amazing thing to me how that down through time, God uses broken vessels. Yeah. Amen. When he won the battle for Gideon, what was it with? With broken vessels. And God has always used broken vessels. And, and so he uses those who are imperfect with flaws and faults. He'll take just a few leprous men who are sitting at the gate and let them hobble to the army of the enemy and give them a victory. He'll take a woman of ill repute and cause her to throw down her water jug and run into the town and say, I have found the Messiah. I have found the Messiah. I have found the Messiah. You see... God has always used and continues to use imperfect people. God told Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the valley, I knew you. Do you think for a minute that God didn't know you before you were born? That doesn't mean that you tell God, this is the way I was when you found me and you have to take me or leave me. That's not a good attitude. He's the potter. We're the clay. But before you were ever born, he knew every weakness, every shortcoming, every problem. He knew every flaw. And he said, you know what? I love you. And I'm calling you. You're not a mistake. You're, you're designed by God. God chose you before you ever decided to live for him. He told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed thee in the belly... I knew you, and before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Jesus said in John 15, he said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Isn't it wonderful when the devil says, huh, you're not worthy to live for God. You need to look back and say, wait a minute, devil. You're a filthy liar. Jesus Christ chose me before I was ever born. He knew who I was going to be. He knew my name before I was ever formed, before I ever came out of my mother's womb. He knew me, and he already had a future plan for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Don't worry. It still says shall. Doesn't say might. My God shall supply all your need. I don't know what you're going through right now, but it's not something that blindsided God. God knew about it before you were ever born. And he's already said, I will supply. He shall supply all your need according to his riches. Not according to your ability, not according to your perfection, not according to all the things you've done right, not according to you at all. It's always been, don't you know, it's always been about him. My God, that's what it's always been about. My God shall supply all your need, all your need according to his riches, not according to your riches, but according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes we just, we don't realize that God's working even when, even when we don't feel it. I can be on my way to do some mundane thing and God will put somebody in my path. And afterwards I'll say, wow, you're awesome, God. God will work things out in ways that I never thought possible. I got to tell you a cute little story about a pastor. Uh, he had a kitten that had climbed up a tree. And it was in his backyard. And the kitten was afraid to come down. And the pastor, being a nice guy, you know, pastors are always nice guys, right? Warm fuzzballs, that's, that's us. So, well, some of you are looking at me like, man, whatever do to you? Well, the pastor coaxed and called and said, kitty, 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 kitty. Even put a little bowl of warm milk down at the base of the tree, but the kitten would not come down. And it was one of these trees that wasn't quite sturdy enough to, to climb, so the pastor decided that if he tied a rope to his car bumper and pulled the tree down a little bit, where he could reach the kitten. That would be an excellent thing to do. He was a nice guy. So he hooks the tree to the bumper of his car and he begins to edge forward. And all the time he was checking his progress in the car and trying to gauge where it would be, where the tree would be, where he could reach the kitten. So he edged just a little further to bend the tree enough to reach the kitten. But as he moved the car a little further forward, the rope broke. And the tree went boing. And the kitten instantly sailed through the air out of sight. Well, the pastor felt terrible. He was a nice guy. Keep repeating that, see? He walked all over the neighborhood asking people, Hey, have you seen a little kitten? Nope. Nobody had seen the stray kitten. So he prayed, Lord, I just commit this kitten 
to your keeping. And he went on about his business. A few days later, the pastor was at the grocery store. It's a fairly small town. He met one of his church members, and he happened to look into her shopping cart, and he was amazed to see cat food. And he wondered about that because he said he knew that woman pretty well, and she was a woman who hated cats. She was a cat hater, and everybody knew about it. So he, his curiosity got him, and he said, Why are you buying cat food? I know you hate cats. He said, Pastor, you won't believe this. And she said, I've got a little girl that's been begging for a cat. And I keep telling her, no way, Jose. No cats come into this house. And then, you're not going to believe this. A few days before, the child started begging again. So I, I finally told my little girl. I said, honey, if God gives you a cat, I'll let you keep it. Now, I know you're not going to believe this. I watched my child go out into the yard. I watched her get on her knees. I heard her say, please, God, I'm asking for a cat. And you aren't going to believe this. Really, Pastor, it's amazing. He said, she said, but I... I wouldn't believe it either if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. She said, no sooner that little, my little girl knelt down and prayed, God, please give me a cat. A kitten suddenly came flying out of the blue sky. Its paws outspread and it landed right in front of her. I've just given a bunch of kids an idea. Stop underestimating God. God can do things that we don't know how to do. God can do things that are beyond our abilities. God can work things out that seem hopelessly messed up. God can do things that nobody else can do, and He does it sometimes in very unconventional ways. And so I just want to give God the praise that He is the worthy God. He can do anything. The devil's whole goal for you is to get you to give up hope. Amen. To cause you to sit there and say, well, I prayed and it didn't happen. Or this is not going the way I think it should go. And he wants you to give up hope. He wants you to become forlorn and, and feel like, oh my God, is there a God? What's going on? God knows how to work out things. And, and sometimes he's going to work them out in ways that you didn't anticipate. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. 
you may have been called of God to do something very spectacular, very wonderful, very great, and then for some reason or other you failed. Messed it up. Aggravating. And the devil comes along and he says, well, you know what? You could never be what you were going to be because you messed up. And the dirty little secret is, is that he says that to every single Christian, but he says it privately. He doesn't say it publicly. He says it privately. He wants you to anguish. He wants you walking under the load of guilt. He wants you to forget that Jesus was wounded for your transgressions and, and bruised for your iniquities and the chastisement of your peace was upon him. He wants you just to keep concentrating on the thing that you did wrong, the, the thing that you regret, the thing that you feel guilty about. He wants you to concentrate on that because his goal is to take away your hope. What he doesn't tell you what is, it never was about you. It never was about your perfection. You were always a broken vessel. It was always the blood of Jesus. It was always the presence of Jesus. It was always the spirit of Jesus. It was God that got you where you are. And it's God that will take you on. It's God that brought you safely this far. And it's God that will take you on down the road and get you safely home. I heard the enemy hiss. You can never be what you would have been. I've heard the enemy hiss. You've made too many mistakes. You'll always be a second-rate Christian now. That's a funny thing. I don't know how that, how people even buy into that. Because when I read the story about the prodigal son, father said, go get the gold ring, put it on his finger. That, that best robe I've been saving, put it on him. The prodigal doesn't come back to be a second class citizen. The prodigal comes back better than new. The father says to the prodigal, I've been saving this calf for you. We're going to feast. The father says to the prodigal, this is my son. He was lost, but now he's found. So when the prodigal realizes that they've made a mistake or he's made a mistake or she's made a mistake, the devil wants to say, and that's it for you. It's done. It's over. You are toast. But the Lord Jesus comes along and says, no. I knew about this before I originally called you. I knew about this before you were born. I already had a way that I was going to salvage you and not only salvage you, but I'm going to make you better than new. Because when Jesus does something, he doesn't do it halfway. He does it all the way. When he does something, he'll make you whiter than snow. He'll make you better than new. He'll make your ministry more powerful than it ever could have been before. That's just the way he does things. I got a lot of the Stevens family here today. Oh 
I'm going to tell you something, okay? It's Memorial Day, so hold on to your hat. My dad used to tell Brother Stevens, when I'm gone, the old mule's yours. <laughs> now you're wondering what in the world does that mean? I'm going to tell you. He said, when I'm gone, the old mule is yours. And my dad would say that to him. I don't know how many times he told him that. Now let me tell you the rest of the story. The old mule fell into a farmer's well one day. The farmer heard the mule braying, crying out for help. And after carefully assessing the situation, the farmer sympathized with the mule, but yeah, he made a decision. Neither the mule nor the well was worth the trouble of saving. All you animal lovers, God love you. Things didn't used to be that way back in the old days, let me tell you. And the farmer made his decision based on pure economics. And he said, you've been a good old mule. You're done. He called his neighbors. He told them what had happened. My mule fell in the well. I need you to help me. We're going to take care of this problem. We're just going to bury the mule in the well. It's an old well, no good anyway. And we'll put the old mule out of his misery. Well, the mule, as you can guess, went berserk. They were throwing dirt on top of the mule. The mule's down in the well, and they're going to bury this poor mule. But as the mule was feeling the dirt hitting his back and falling down into the well, a thought came to that old mule. It suddenly dawned on him that every time a shovel load of dirt landed on his back, he could shake it off and step up. This the old mule did, blow after blow. Shake it off, step up. Shake it off, step up. Shake it off, step up. He repeated this mantra over and over just to encourage himself. No matter how painful the blows, no matter how distressing the situation, the old mule fought panic. The old mule fought against the terror. The old mule fought against anxiety and just kept on shaking it off and, and stepping up, shaking it off and stepping up. And it wasn't long before that old mule, battered and exhausted, stepped triumphantly over the wall of that well. What seemed like would bury him had actually blessed him. All because of the manner in which he faced his adversity. Oh, come on now. In the name of Jesus Christ, lift up your head. You don't need to hang your head. You don't need to say, what is going to happen next? You don't need to sit there and say, oh my God, the end, the end has come. The end is upon us. Let me tell you what I know about the end. I've read the end of the book and we win. Let me tell you about the end. 
It ends for the church when the Lord himself descends from heaven with a shout, with a trump of God. And the dead in Christ are raised up to meet him. And we which are alive and remain are caught up together to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So if you want to talk about the end, that's the end for the church down here and the beginning of a better life in a better place. So your legs hurting. So your back's hurting. So you got a tummy ache. I'm not making little of it. But God, who knows all things, who is all capable, all powerful, almighty, is telling you to shake it off and step up. Come on, shake it off and step up. You might have fallen, but you don't have to stay down. You might have tripped, but you don't have to lay there. Get up, shake it off, and step up. Will God fill you with the Holy Ghost? Would he have me preach this message if he wouldn't? A lot of times the reason people don't make it is because they accept defeat. The little lady would walk up to the platform and she would ask for prayer. We'd always pray for her. And when we got done praying, she'd always shake her head, walk back and sit down. I don't ever remember her getting the Holy Ghost. I don't ever remember her being blessed. All I remember is her sad story. And I'm not making fun. She would look at me or the other preacher, whoever it would be that would be praying for her, and she would say, when I was a young girl, I failed God, and I've never been able to feel his presence again. I wish I knew then what I know now. That was before I ever became a pastor, by the way, so it's been many years ago. Because now I'd look at her and I'd say, shake it off and step up. You can't feel anything? Pray a little harder. Can't feel it yet? Don't stop. Keep praying. What's going to happen? God is going to fill you full of Holy Ghost power. And the devil knows it. So he wants you to, to accept defeat. He wants you to say, I failed God. That's where my emphasis is. That's where my eyesight is. I can't take my eyes. It's like that pile of flowers beside Interstate 95 where somebody bought the ticket. And, and people go by there and see that pile of flowers. You understand what I'm saying? It might seem like a nice thing, but it's a horrible thing for you to keep circling back to that pile of flowers uh, over and over and over and over and over and say, I did it, I did it, I messed up, I did it, I did it, I did it. All right already. Now in the name of Jesus Christ, put that car and drive. Let's go forward. The end is not yet. God has something for you. And I'm going to tell you, it's better than new. So I hear the master saying, 
the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now the Spirit of the Lord is moving upon me. The gifts and the calling of God are irre- irrevocable. The gifts and the calling of God are irreversible. Wait a minute. You mean God knew everything was going to happen in my life and he still called me. That's exactly what I'm telling you. He didn't contone our sin, but he forgave our sin. And he says, okay, now, honey, we're going to hit this fence again. It's a hurdle race and you caught your, your foot on the top wire but this time you're going to hold my hand and we're going to leap over this fence together you're going to clear that hurdle by a good five feet this time because the one with the nail scars in his hand has got a hold of your hand there's not going to be a place for hatred in your life there's not going to be a place for anger in your life there's not going to be a place for bitterness in your life there's not going to be a place for anxiety anymore in your life there's not going to be a place for guilt in your life anymore because he who called you is the one who knew you before you were ever born come on I need to get somebody right now to right now lift your voice and your hands and say God I want to give my life fresh and anew because it was not you that chose to live for him it was he that chose you You have been chosen to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So what's the devil going to do about this? I'll tell you what he tries to do. He's going to try to isolate you from the presence of God. He's going to try to isolate you from the family of God. He's going to try to put his nasty old negative, fearful worrisome Uh guilt thoughts in your head and he's hoping that he can remove all hope from your life Uh it's Memorial Day I'm done preaching There's something far greater going on right now. You go ahead and believe the devil's lie, and he'll have his way, and you'll split hell wide open. But if you will refuse to believe what the devil's saying, and say, now wait a minute. I remember when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I remember when he called me. Papa, 
I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'd just be happy if you'd let me be one of the hired help. Uh, Just a minute, son. I I know you're trying to talk to me, but I got some stuff going. Uh, Servant, go get that nice robe I've been saving for him. But Papa, you, you don't, you don't, you're going to be hearing about things I've done. Uh, just a minute, son. I know you want to talk to me. Uh, make sure that, that fatted calf, get it down to the butcher. We're going to have a big party. Papa, I don't think you're listening to me. You're, it's going to be in the paper. You're going to find out that... Just a minute, son. I know you want to talk to me. Get that covenant ring and put it on his finger. <laughs> My son was lost and now he's found. And today, as we sit in this church service, God is calling you. I wouldn't want to embarrass my son, Eric, and I use my family too much. But he went through a rebellious time certain time in his life my boy was outside the church that boy for many years I remember going to preach a revival and shaking hands and smiling I'll be back to get you at 730 pick up my suitcases I was all by myself put the key in the door walked inside and when I shut the door I fell on my face and I began to weep my boy was lost And the devil said, you're trying to save the world. And your own kid is lost. And I remember one day when he had just run away from home for some reason. I remember driving in my truck. I knew approximately the area where he was. And I got out of my car and I cut my hands and I said, Eric... It's dad. I'm not going to whip you, son. I want you to come home. I'm not going to punish you, son. I just want you to come home. And I'm telling you that because some of you think that God is searching for you so he can punish you. That nothing could be further from the truth. He's calling you to save you from punishment. He's calling you to keep you from punishment. He's been dogging your steps, following along wherever you may be. He's been calling your name. And you thought, He's calling my name because I'm guilty. I need to hide myself in the bushes like Adam and Eve did. I'm guilty. I don't feel comfortable in Papa's presence. But he's calling you not because he wants to hurt you. He's calling you to save you from everlasting destruction. He's calling you to help you, not to hurt you. Living for God will never hurt you. Living without God will destroy you. 
So he's dogging your steps and he's calling your name. Honey, I knew you before you were born. You come back to Papa. Honey, I, I, I know it's all right. I, I, I was wounded for, for those transgressions. And I, I was bruised for those iniquities. And I'm calling you. Remember, I've got a high and holy calling on your life. And I have some things that other people can't do that I have equipped you to be able to do. I have a mission for you that no one else can do. You're not just one of many to me. You, I chose you before you were born. And I wonder, Joseph, please come to the keyboard. I'm wondering if we could just bow our heads for a moment. We've had a wonderful time. But what better thing could happen than for someone today to say, Papa, I, now I realize it was the enemy that was trying to scare me away. You never were calling me because you wanted to whip me. You were calling me because you loved me. I was knocking doors several years ago in Augustine. Inviting people to Sunday school. The door opened and a lady went, Oh, Pastor, I didn't know whose door I was knocking on. She's a young single mom, had grown up in our church. Oh, messed up I called her by name and I said I want you to come back and she said something to me she said there's not a day that goes by I don't think about it hadn't seen her for years not a day that goes by that I don't think about it but the devil had sold her a bill of goods told her you could never be what you would have been and if you ever do go back Papa's going to spank you hard so she ran she took her little kids and she ran but after that visit it wasn't long before she came back and God filled her with the Holy Ghost I know I've carried this as far as you're willing to let me so I'm going to ask you to stand if you would please Temptation trips you. Did you hear that? Weakness, temptation, weakness of the flesh, whatever, it trips you. But pride is what keeps you down.
I'll wait till I'm in my back bedroom and I might sniff a little bit, but you'll never see it. I'm a self-made man. But God says, you know, if you just humble yourself like a little child, I'd come running to you. I'd scoop you up and hold you in my arms. I would fill you full of power, full of Holy Ghost anointing, and I, I would forgive, and I would take care of every cut. I would take care of every bruise. I would, I would heal it completely. For I am the Lord that called you. I am the Lord that called you. I called you by name. I called you before you ever were born. I, I knew you then. And I call you today. And I feel the presence of God here in such a very sweet way. Is there anybody in this house that would like to walk down to the front of an old-fashioned church and say, Papa, draw me nearer to you. Draw me closer to you. Anything that would hinder me from living for you, please, Papa, take it. And fill me full of Holy Ghost power. You're probably standing next to somebody right now that you were so concerned what they're going to think. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't speak to you one-on-one -on -one with nobody else around. This is the best I can do. But if you'd be willing to humble yourself, you might find the spot where you first received the Holy Ghost. There might be a place in this building where God first filled you. He's ready to fill you again. You don't have to live another day of anxiety. You don't have to live another day of fear. You don't have to live another day of hopelessness. You don't have to live another day worried about your eternal future. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Coming home, Lord, I'm coming home. Open wide thine arms. your voice to God.